You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. Horror for the casually obsessed. I'm John. I'm Kim. And we are here today to kick off part one of our Rage Cage Double Bill, talking about the career-defining film, Vampire's Kiss. Kim, for anybody that hasn't seen Vampire's Kiss and is on the fence about checking it out before listening to the rest of this episode, what are three spoiler-free good things about Vampire's Kiss. Okay, well, the first one's easy. I'm going to say the Nick Cage performance. If you are unfamiliar with some of Nick Cage's earlier works and you're kind of just discovering him in his renaissance, Hmm. the eclectic style of acting didn't happen later on in his career. This is not new. If you're looking for the the weird and wild Nick Cage, you will be hard-pressed to find anything weirder than Vampire's Kiss. (laughs) If you haven't seen Vampire's Kiss, you will remember moments from all of the gifs you've seen on Twitter. It's so iconically Nick Cage that you will remember moments of this movie having never seen it. (laughs) So true. Number two, I'm going to say it's a creative take on the vampire mythos. Okay. So not to spoil the film yet, because you may not have seen it if you're listening to this part. Yeah, I don't know why I said spoiler free. Like, it's a fucking vampire (laughs) movie. What do you think is going to (laughs) happen? It's got a creative take in that it's more about the mental health of of somebody who thinks they're becoming a vampire and is most likely not. My third favorite thing, uh, I'm going to go with something super easy. I'm just going to say vampire couch coffin. <laughs> I was I was waiting for you to say anything else so I could be like, I'm surprised you didn't say vampire couch coffin. <laughs> vampire couch coffin. Yeah, it's a real good thing. He turns his fucking leather couch into his coffin. It's great. It's pretty fabulous. Yeah, so those are three good things about Vampire's Kiss. Uh, You know, believe it or not, there's a whole ton more in the rest of this episode. (laughs) Uh, But before we get started, I'm uh, just throwing questions at you nonstop. Well, let me ask you, what's keeping you creepy? Oh, shit. Oh, she beat me to it. (laughs) Keeping me creepy this week. Well, it hasn't come out yet, but the hope, the belief, the faith. That Robert Eggers the Northman is going to be the fucking black magic massacre that I'm just waiting for. Oh, I can't fucking wait. I think it's going to be so good. I, I, I've seen the trailer. You haven't? I cannot wait for Kim to see this fucking movie. I haven't even seen it, and I'm stoked for Kim to see this movie. <laughs> I'm really excited. Yeah, I stepped out of the theater when the trailer was on because I was like, no, 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 no. Can't wait. Oh, uh, man. I'm very pumped. I think I'm going to love it. Yeah, black magic, Vikings, just fucking gnarly ass shit. Long hair on everyone. And Robert Eggers. I mean, the guy seems incapable of making a bad movie. I'm excited just to see what he can do with the budget. That's going to be so weird. Other than that, we've got part two of the Never Sleep Again series hitting the Fiend Club this weekend. It's actually coming out tomorrow if you're listening to this on the Thursday that it drops. Friday, we will be putting out Freddy's Revenge. Episode two, we are nicely caffeinated, a little bit hyper. Oh, super caffeinated. (laughs) Crazy caffeinated for, for part two. If you haven't heard, we recorded a review of every single film in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. 
series in one sitting, nine films, nine episodes. It took us over 30 hours. Oh, yeah. And it got a little <laughs> it got a little nuts. Um, we are dropping episodes every two weeks of that special series for our Patreon subscribers at nofspodcast.com slash fiendclub. Yeah, and shout out to all the fiends that joined us for our 420 watch party last night. We uh, celebrated the 10-year anniversary of Cabin in the Woods by uh, getting really high and watching it together on our laptops. It does have one of the best stoners in horror, I will say. Yeah, because he's not... The, the the biggest idiot of the movie. No, and he's he's funny because he's there for the comedic yucks, but he's also kind of the scheming, suspicious character. And the neurotic characters are the ones that get out of horror films, guys. I don't know if you know this, but he who is most neurotic wins. Yeah, the weed made him paranoid. His paranoia made him live. And he wasn't susceptible to the, the crazy juice they were pumping into the oh, cabin. don't give it away. That's the ending. It's been 10 years. <laughs> Lastly, we are on our way to Panic Fest. We are recording a live episode with Mick Garris celebrating the 30th anniversary of Sleepwalkers. Yeah, that's right. If you're in the Kansas City area, Kansas City, Missouri area, come uh, come hang out with us, have a drink, say hi, uh, and watch Sleepwalkers. I've never seen this movie with an audience. This is going to be a blast. Our event, I think, is Saturday night. Yep. John also talked himself into hosting karaoke. Sure fucking did. So we're doing that. Um, <laughs> I'm probably going to be quietly clapping from beside the bar. John's going to be doing weird stuff all night, and uh, we're there the whole weekend. Those those are the main events that we're doing, but we'll be there the whole weekend. Without further ado, let's get into Vampire's Kiss. How was your weekend? It's all right, you know. There's nothing to shattering. He was an ordinary guy. <laughs> morning, everyone. Good morning. Looking for an extraordinary love. I'm Peter Lowe. Rachel. I brought this girl up to my place the other night. It started with a kiss. Really hot. A very special kiss. You wanted her very badly. Yeah. A kiss that could drive you mad. I hate interrupted love affairs, don't you? Yep, 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 yep. It's affecting his work. There you are! It's a horrible, horrible job. And you have to do it. It's ruining his appetite. My next appointment with you is uh, Tuesday afternoon. I'd like to make it sooner. It's spoiling his sleep. Ah. Sooner. And don't think people haven't noticed. Am I getting through to you, Alva? He is so eccentric. My, my. For Peter Lowe, oh, Peter. that's just love. Love? Love. In the big city. Yeah! Don't laugh. I'm a professional, but don't laugh. I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! I'm a vampire! <laughs> Nicholas Cage. The tortures of the damned! Maria Conchita Alonso. Shoot it. Do it or I'll fire you. Do you understand? <laughs> Not the floor, Alva. And Jennifer Beals. You are so pathetic. <clears throat> Vampire's Kiss. Strange stuff. I'll never do that again. Jeez. From 1988, Vampire's Kiss is currently sitting at a 6 out of 10 on IMDb. 
61% on Rotten Tomatoes, and 3.4 out of 5 on Letterboxd. You know, I've wanted to have Vampire's Kiss on the podcast for so long, since we started this podcast. Mm-hmm. Because Vampire's Kiss is just the vibe of Nightmare on Film Street. It is. Is it? Yep. It is. It's our brand. Uh, (laughs) According to one of us. And whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Yeah, I was a little bit worried because it's it's so bizarre that I was like, okay, so it's it's perfect for the podcast, but what the fuck do we talk about? Yeah, this is the f- it's the first time that I've taken notes in a while because I was pretty concerned that I would not have anything to talk about. I did a lot of research for today's episode. Okay, <laughs> take the reins. Um, no, no, no. It's just stuff that's gonna pop up as we're discussing. I've got some cold hard facts for you. Uh huh. I I remember. Oh, do did we watch it? I think I've just listened to chunks of the DVD commentary. Between Nicolas Cage and the director, and they're just laughing it up, having a great time, reminiscing about all the real animals they ate. <laughs> I assume was that in any, was that anywhere in your facts? Did he eat a real cockroach? He sure fucking a did. Real life cockroach. And, and you a can, real life you New know, York cockroach. As much as I do not agree with the eating of animals for film, you can see it. You can see it on the screen, that that cockroach, and it's actually like a water bug, and they got it from the basement of the like high-rise where they were filming. Oh, good. Yeah, and they had to call a doctor and get a doctor's approval. They're like, if he eats this, is he going to get sick? Oh, and he fucking did it. In the script, so this is the only deviation that Nicolas Cage made to the script because his character was supposed to eat a raw egg, and he was <laughs> like, nope, not dark enough. Not weird enough. He's like, I hate cockroaches i'm gonna eat a cockroach uh, yeah, this is some real transgressive cinema here uh that's Can interesting you not are you it- what is happening <laughs> are you where did john go like hey let's... we've been we've been doing the podcast for a few years now and you've been trying to get vampires kiss on the pod mm-hmm. we haven't covered it because i don't think i'm nuts about it Whoa. The way you are nuts about whoa, it. Whoa, we whoa, whoa. I look at it as a interesting piece of film history. I paid $10 for it on VHS. <laughs> That's not true. We, we probably paid 3 maybe $4 for it, which is still steep, If you t- especially when you add the caveat on VHS. But yeah, there is definitely a sticker on our VHS that says somebody at some point purchased it pre-owned for ten ninety seven. Yeah, I think I got it at Fantastic Fest. Probably. One of those swap booths. Hell yeah. And I was like, oh, we love this movie. I'm we, glaring We, the it. both I- of us, <laughs> uniformly love this movie. Yeah, there are parts of this movie that I really appreciate. And I, I'm a big fan of Nicolas Cage. Huge. Uh, huge. huge. Uh, movies of his where he is just off the wall. I have tons of defense for it. Like anytime somebody says like, oh, he's awful in this movie. I'm like, oh no, I just don't think you understand the character. Like I think this, he's bringing this to this role. And this is one where I'm still kind of stumped. Like I just, I don't know if I respect the choices in this movie as much as I do in other works of his. Okay, so here's my argument. One, you can watch Vampire's Kiss as a comedy, and it perfectly serves as that. It's listed as a horror comedy Which when you look up movies from 1988. maybe retrospective. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> but if you look at this film like it is the final five minutes of American Psycho for two hours. Yeah. That's the performance. That's what you get. It's like a full-ass mental break. 
Uh-huh. And it's also a retrospective horror comedy. Yeah. Isn't it funny that every Nicolas Cage movie has to come with some sort of defense? <laughs> like, in defense of this film, like, every conversation you have about nearly any Nicolas Cage movie, there is that. My thing about Nicolas Cage is he's kind of got the opposite problem of Keanu Reeves, where Keanu Reeves underdelivers everything. Mm. You know what I mean? In a great way. And you're just like, yeah, you just need to, you just need to find the right roles for Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves is John Wick, where he doesn't have to talk a lot, mm. and you you get to see him shoot things and kill people with a book. Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage can do whatever the fuck he wants, and he's gonna do it at volume twelve. Yeah, yeah, I think he just sometimes needs the right director to to lock into it. I don't know that... The movie has mm. to be a 12. That's the thing. Ever- Otherwise, mm. he's going to be the only thing in the movie that's the 12. I th- I think the goal on this one, though, was that we were going to have a very real world with very real people who were at a 2, and we and then we bring in this other guy who's at a 12. A 12 from the beginning. Yeah, it's uncomfortable, but... It's the accent. The accent is what makes it uncomfortable. Oh. Like, Hello. Hello. Can you have you found the file yet? <laughs> do you know what kind of fucking tap dancing I'm gonna have to do on this phone call? <laughs> He's like Moira Rose. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Wow, we just needed to hear him say Jonathan. Jonathan. That would be great. <laughs> that's amazing. I think the accent is hilarious, and that's that's part of the horror comedy side. Mm-hmm. Whereas. You can make an argument for both. Honestly, I agree with you. The first half of this movie is so fucking uncomfortable because you're right. Nicolas Cage is crazy and everybody else is like, who's this fucking crazy man? Or like, he's not fully unhinged yet, so you can't- So he's allowed to just fumble through the world unchecked? Yeah, he's just like, wow, you're being a dick to your secretary. Maybe you shouldn't chase her around the office. Yeah. But stay for the last half hour because it is so fucking bonkers. The last half hour is wild. I've seen it before, and I was watching it like, how did this get filmed? How is this recorded information? (laughs) Yeah, okay, so, I mean, I don't really watch a lot of So Bad It's Good movies. I have a weird relationship with those. Um, I think this usually gets lumped into that camp, where it's like, oh, it's so bad, it's good. Like, I just... I just like a movie. Like, Jason Takes Manhattan. I don't think it's so bad it's good. I just think it's good. I'm going to put that aside, and I'm just going to celebrate the weirdness of this fucking role. Thank you. I just want to say that, like, I don't... Yeah, like, even when you suggested today... Can you complain about it with the accent? Like, I just don't... When you suggested it today, (laughs) I did not immediately love the idea of sitting in front of a microphone and saying words like this and that and those comprised of letters like A and B and C and D, E, F, G, and, you know, it gets, I, oh, <laughs> but Jonathan, I think I'm coming around. I think I'm in love with it now. Oh my, I was trying to do the accent the whole movie and I couldn't nail it, but John, you, you have nailed it. You just, uh, you just, you just gotta let all of your sanity leave you. I sure hope our audience watched this movie before coming to this episode. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, if you if you grew up on the internet and you've seen seven gifs of it, you've seen the movie pretty it, well. But you're still going to be surprised that it's a real movie, that it, those gifs came from a real movie. That's true. Isn't that weird? Like that Sometimes. moment where he like full out points at his secretary. Alva! <laughs> 
It's a there you are. <laughs> it's such a mundane scene. Like she's hey, that's she's... that is the other weird thing. You, yeah, you've seen that gif a hundred times. You've seen the bugged eyes and the big teeth, and he's just asking her to find a fucking file. Like, it's, she's it's just coming nothing. into his office, and he's just like, "Woo!" Oh man, yeah, uh, it's it's. It's, it's good. <laughs> this movie is the mask, like Jim Carrey in the mask. If there's no mask to put on, uh, Stanley Ipkiss just has a mental break. That's a good description, actually. That's not bad at all. I don't. Uh, actually, w- I do. I do have my official description mm-hmm. of this movie. Let's hear it. Um, this is. I'm going into the office to pitch this. Okay. So, hey guys, I have this new uh, quasi vampire film. Uh-huh. It is vampire uh, so hot right well, now. Well, we're going to go into the future and then into the past first. So we're going to what? We're we're outside of time here. Hmm. Um. So this <laughs> movie, uh, we're going to have Nicolas Cage in it. You know, Nicolas Cage from the Family Man. Oh, from Moonstruck. From the Family. You got to remember here. It's from... 1987 when you're pitching this movie. That's why we're outside of time. Oh, sorry. That's yeah. what you meant. I was like. <laughs> Okay, I don't remember the movie going outside of time. That's cool. Nicolas Cage in The Family Man. Well, this is The Family Man uh-huh. if... Oh, I see where you're going yeah. with this. <laughs> this is The Family Man meets American Psycho if it had vampires. <laughs> Guys, we are such, such big Nicolas Cage fans that we own The Family Man on DVD and watch it regularly. It's weirdly like a go-to Christmas movie, and it's very sad. It's a sour dour movie. Yeah, it's good, though. I like it. It is good. From the director of Red Dragon and Rush Hour comes Family Man, <laughs> starring Nicolas Cage. Yeah, you know, you're not wrong. The The movie is about a guy whose fear of commitment. That's what, that's what it comes down to. That's what the metaphor of the vampirism is. Well, so, oh, I thought we were talking about Family Man. I was like, Fam- oh. <laughs> I was like, Family Man's not really about the fear of commitment. It's about you think you made the right choices in your life, but you're fucking wrong. <laughs> and there's no way to go back and fix it. And you're just fucked. All you can do is recognize that and live with and it. And you're going to live with this child and fall in love with it, but those sperms are long gone, dude. <laughs> okay, no, but I'm, but Vampire's Kiss, 100%. <laughs> that's what it's about, right? This is the one time that I've watched this movie and been like, all right, well, what the fuck is it about? It's about love. It's about a fear of commitment. Yeah. And love. Is and it... accepting love. But does it... Okay, so, like, it is about that. Does it do a great job of showing it? Because it, it kind of forgets about that, brings it back every once in a while. Like, oh, wait a minute. We're do it. Honestly, I think what it comes down to is I think all of the... The B plot of the movie, the secretary stuff, which is kind of just also an A plot. It's half the movie. Him dealing with his secretary, dealing with him yeah. tormenting his secretary is it serves no purpose in that story of him having a fear of commitment. No, it's it's solely to get her brother to murder him at the end. Yeah, which um, it doesn't honestly looks like he was probably real close to committing suicide anyway. He was just going to run into a wall with that stake. Yeah, or or like the <laughs> omen where he just like holds it against himself when he jumps off the roof. Ooh. That'd be cool. Yeah, I agree that it does it does deviate a little bit there, but it also has him building a relationship with the woman at the beginning. You can see that they're kind of a hookup that's sort of becoming something more. And the fact that he frequents clubs throughout the movie, he's got this day life, night life thing going on, and it this might be the first time he's kind of stepping into something a little bit more serious, and it's the push and pull of those two different versions of himself. The lusty nightlife guy versus, oh, we're going to meet a girl during the day and go to a museum man it all really comes together in the end of the movie just the whole idea of of him 
That final therapy session is a fucking shit show. We cannot start there. We cannot cannot go there yet. We have to (laughs) save it. We have to save it. The whole first half of the movie is him bailing on this girl, more or less. The the, the opening sequence with his psychiatrist, he's talking about how he basically kicked a girl out of his apartment after a one night stand, even though he'd been really into her and really wanted her and like worked really hard to get her into his bed and and then just like did not follow through on any of that. But see, that's like vampires. They're all about the lust and the bloodlust and and getting the victim and then right after the victim's dead. So they don't really have to worry about whining and dining them ever again. Yeah. And like the vampire character, definitely a lonely character. Stalker spends eternity by themselves they're always presented as a sad character who's lonely and doesn't want to be alone and is searching for someone else. And like in the in the search to find someone, creates someone like them who then also either rejects the life or goes off to be sad and alone. I'm really just kind of talking about Lestat and Louis right now. Dracula's uh, like that. Dracula's like that too, you know. So Dracula's a pretty lovelorn dude. I think that's why he identifies with vampires. Is is just that they are tortured characters who are alone by choice and cursed by it. And also, too, I think he's just at the precipice of a mental break and a bat flies into his fucking window. Oh, that's I guess that's true. You just got to throw that in the cocktail mix, right? <laughs> he is kind of nuts. Uh, so, the, yeah. I love, too, that there are several scenes in this movie where he's interacting with this vampire woman who's... Yeah, I don't understand necessarily what she adds to the plot other than to just really nail home that this is all a figment of his imagination because yeah. we'll see like these lusty scenes where she visits him uh, alone at night and then we'll cut to like the next morning and he's, and he's serving her t- her he's coffee but there's no one there to no one he's inviting air into his shower he's yeah like, i have to go to work my favorite my favorite scene of her showing up is when he has apologized to his girlfriend about ditching her at the museum He's he's talked her into meeting him for one drink, you know, just to apologize and explain himself. And she goes out to meet him. She's at the bar. And when he's just about to leave, she shows this vampire woman shows up at the door and stops him. And it's like, you'd rather stay with me. You want to be here because he just he just bails on her again because he's terrified of that and taking that next step and going into a serious relationship. He'd much rather be alone because it's easier. I have to say therapy is not working for him at all. That's assuming he ever actually went to therapy. Oh, God. Because of the reveal at the end of the movie, I guess now is the time that we talk about it, where uh, he he thinks he's coming in for a... We think he's going in for an early 7.30 a.m. psychiatric appointment, and, and it's going well. He's still carrying this bit of wood that he's, he's found. He's washed his hair. His suit is pressed. <laughs> he's, he's no longer covered in blood, and he's he's had a realization. He knows what he needs to do. A breakthrough, and she's so happy for him, and then we cut. He's outside, disheveled blood all over him talking to no one he's talking to a statue is he actually or like a fucking statue? fountain okay they actually shot most of the outdoor New York scenes just outside New York. On the, the fly? With the camera like wide out. And he interacted with a lot of non-actors. All oh, right, on. Apparently he scared a bunch of homeless people because they thought he was an actual crazy man. Yeah, of course. All of those scenes where he's accosting people on the street with- With that, a bit of wood. <laughs> with that stake of fence. <laughs> those weren't actors. No way. Yeah. That's great. So talk about committing to the bit. That's that is true. Like Nicolas Cage across his entire career, but especially in this movie, really committing to the bit. Yeah, commits to the bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like they, they created a character 
who is insane from day one and is 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 absolutely off the rails, but no one seems to say anything about it. It's it's crazy that normally you get like like your American Psycho reference that you get a whole movie before you get to this point and they just started there. Yeah. Some sometimes it feels like it doesn't work. Sometimes it feels like he's a sore thumb in every scenario. I think he's probably supposed to be. So mission accomplished, but it's weird to watch. I have to say that one of my favorite facts when I was reading about this movie is that Nicolas Cage signed on to do it with the original author who wrote this while he was away with his on-again, off-again girlfriend, and it was a movie about them. Like, it was a movie about their toxic relationship. Oh, really? Yeah, and Nicolas Cage was really keen on it, but his agent was like, you're not doing this fucking movie. (laughs) This movie is bonkers. You just did Moonstruck. Like, do not do this movie. He was was signed on to do it. He was going to do it. And then the author was like, you know what? This is too close to home. This is too dark for me. This is too personal. Yeah. So he decided he wasn't going to direct it. And they got another director. And then uh, Nicolas Cage was like, well, I don't want to do it if it's not like your original vision. And so he left. And apparently it took a year of them trying to cast people and get the right guy for it. And... Nicolas Cage had like regrets and he was thinking about this role and he was sad that he t- he turned it down and it was like this character was haunting him and he really wanted to do it huh. and he signed back on wow. despite the fact that his agent was like no do not do it that's great so this was the role he was born to play it's okay <laughs> and can you imagine anybody else nobody else could do that level of unhinged well, I think what you'd probably end up doing is finding a, like a Christian Bale or a Martin Sheen, Charlie Sheen, if we're talking like Wall Street era, this you is around the same time. You would get an entirely different movie. Yeah, of course you would. You'd get one that looks like it has an actual story arc that has like peaks and falls and isn't just like fucking level 10 crazy out the gate, which I like. <laughs> I like I like it when that happens, you know. Uh, I, yeah, I guess we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this movie thirty four years later if it wasn't Nicolas Cage. It would just be some some like, hey, did you hear about this movie? Some people are talking about on Tubi, like this for free movie called Vampires Kiss. I don't know, some no names are in it. Well, as a horror person, if you tell me, do you want to watch a horror movie where he's not actually a vampire and he's just having a mental breakdown? And I'm just like, mm. they're like, oh, but it's Nicolas Cage. You're like, yes. So yeah, like here's here's the real question, right? Because it, by the end of the movie, he okay, well. Hmm. <laughs> Unreliable narrator situation, right? Like what do we take to be fact? We definitely know he attacked his secretary. That's the only thing I think every oh, everything else is up for debate except for the secretary stuff because we we follow her and we see that like, how it's affecting her mm-hmm. and and her brother retaliates. Yeah, you could say and him abandoning his quasi girlfriend. That's about it. Like those are, outside of that, it's all up for interpretation. I guess we. I guess he buys teeth. Like that's probably not fake. Him going to Chinatown to buy some vampire teeth. Oh, that was so good. Uh, you you knew this movie was like really off the rails when he buys those fucking teeth because he puts them on right away and they stay on the rest of the movie. And he fucking chases down a Central Park pigeon to eat. And he, he grabs, he kidnaps a real life pigeon. Yeah. He's probably talking to, he's probably trying to talk the directors into it. Like, can't, can't we just fucking eat it? It's not, I mean, what's the, what's the humane society going to say? It's a pigeon. <laughs> but... I gotta say, like, on the list of birds that I'm gonna eat... Not a pigeon. Not a Central Park pigeon. (laughs) 
That's way on the bottom of the list. That's like a hundred steps below regular ass pigeon. I am not. <laughs> I am not eating a pigeon that lives in a metropolitan city. Not happening. What are you talking about? They're so well taken care of by the lady in Home Alone too. Okay. <laughs> now I'm back on board. <laughs> uh, I got another fact for you. Okay, sure. Something fun. Um, and you might remember this because I believe this is something that we listened to in the audio commentary. I don't know. Maybe we heard it on a podcast or something a long time ago. I think it was Nicolas Cage himself that was talking about it or the director. Okay. But the director confirmed this in a, an interview I read. They spent most of the budget. Nicolas Cage only got paid $40,000 for this movie. Okay. Which is crazy because somebody else who they had offered the role to came back with an, like, okay, I'll do it for a million dollars. And they were like, no, that's the budget of the movie. Wow. But the most expensive thing was the animatronic bat in the beginning of the movie. Are you kidding? Yeah. It and looks good. It does look good. It looks great. They do bat POV. It's yeah, wonderful. like the camera's like right on the, like it's riding the bat toward Nicolas Cage. I love it. Apparently Nicolas Cage hated it. And he was like, no, it doesn't look real. We need a real fucking bat. We need a bat. And this was during production. They were yeah. shooting. So he sent out like a hand with a broom and a bucket to Central Park to try to catch a bat. Get us a bat. <laughs> and they that's had a Hollywood to, story right there. <laughs> they had to talk him down by saying that, like, they couldn't tell him that they couldn't catch the bat because he just wouldn't accept that. Huh. So they had to say, like, no, he's if he bites you while we're filming, you could get rabies and you'll die, and we won't get to make this movie. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it was it was crazy how far he wanted to go with the bat. Wow. So that forty thousand dollar budget for Nicolas Cage went straight to cocaine, right? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> I uh, I he bought real that. human blood with it. That's what he did to go method. Oh boy, take that, Jared. Leto. Okay, I've got another crazy fact. If you're ready for it, I think. I'm prepared. Okay, so the lead vampire lady, Jennifer yeah. Beals, apparently Nicolas Cage did not, not necessarily not get along with her, but he didn't think she was right for the role. Uh-oh. He didn't think she brought the sexuality and the temptation. And Did he send a PA back out with a bucket and a broom to get a new one? <laughs> <laughs> get us a new vampire lady. Oh, my. <laughs> we need a real vampire woman. I don't settle for an animatronic. Yeah. So apparently during their sex scenes... He needed help getting turned on. Why does that matter? You're acting. I... You're acting, dear boy. <laughs> I don't... Uh, I can't answer that for there you. There was definitely one scene where he had a boner, yeah. I did not clock a boner. I but... clock every every boner in every movie. <laughs> so, uh, it's so weird to say... This is from the director's mouth. Uh-huh. This is not me getting you guys bad facts. Okay. He... Requested that they pour hot yogurt on his feet. Interesting. While they were filming the sex scenes. And the director said, if you rewatch the movie, for the specific reason, if you rewatch the movie, you don't see his feet in any of the sex scenes huh. because they're in hot yogurt. Interesting. <laughs> so specific. Huh. Interesting. And that is my, uh, that is the completion of my facts. Okay. We're there. <laughs> Hot yogurt on the feet, huh? Whatever, may, whatever makes it, whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever works for you, man. So you don't think the therapist is real? I mean, there's, there exists a possibility where the therapist isn't real. I will say that she has very little input, and the input she gives is nothing. It's just word salad. That's true. The, oh, you know, the only, oh, it's when he calls to make that appointment in the morning. That's the only time where, like, okay, she's probably real. Yeah, because she's got, like, a hot little little boyfriend. She's who's got like, a little boy Come toy, back yeah. to bed, baby. Yeah, she's like, just a second, I'm talking to a crazy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, I think she's probably real. Uh, obviously, the last scene didn't exist, didn't happen. Other stuff that I like about this movie. Okay. And I think Give this- me other stuff you like. You mean some things I like about this movie because I've been shitting on it this whole episode. I, it's just, it's a weird movie. I just think you're not in the vibe for it. I mean, maybe. Which is I weird. I thought I was going to we... spend today doing nothing. I was like, I'm going to hang out with my dog. I'm going <laughs> to, I don't know, maybe smoke some weed, get some work, the fold some laundry. And then here <laughs> you are. Sounds like-, like fun. So the thing, too, is that we haven't watched this movie in so long because I've been aiming to get it on the podcast. Yeah. So it's one I've been meaning to revisit forever. So it's not like I make you watch it all the time. That's true. Yeah, it's not like it's been shoved down my throat or anything. The last 20, 30 minutes of the movie are brilliant. Like, I got to, like, 100% So unhinged. Brilliant. Just unhinged. Not even unhinged. I think the movie's just firing on all cylinders. Like, the the metaphors work in, the visual aids are there. Like, it's, it's all hidden. When he leaves his apartment, for the, his final evening out. He's got his fucking teeth in. The sewer steam is coming up out of the ground as he's leaving his brownstone. It's like, okay, now you're showing me like pure Transylvania gothic oh, Dracula. His fucking shoulder His posture. shoulders are up. Yeah, like he's wearing a dumbass cape. He's got his hands up. Like, so this is like, when he gets to the nightclub, he's like, ah, the creatures of the night. What sounds they make. Yeah. You know, like, it's it's great. Like, where, where they're going with this, um, for it. It's, I guess it's the secretary stuff. It's just like, I, th- I feel like you didn't have enough story for the movie, so you wrote the secretary plot in, and it just doesn't it doesn't work for me. I agree with you that the secretary stuff is too much. They could have condensed it down into, like, three different cuts. Like, yeah. he really torments her. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, my fucking favorite thing about the movie is when he builds himself a fucking coffin. Yes, I am so glad you said that. That, that is the best out. part of this it whole movie. the single greatest thing of Just the whole movie. Just him lowering it down onto some books oh. and closing it out for the night. And like, cr- hell it's so yeah. creaky. Oh, and he's got pillows down there. Black leather. Oh, so good. It's genius. It's abs- it's absolute genius. Yeah. Everything in the end is brilliant. And there's, there's I mean, there's plenty of stuff that's good in the rest of it, but... Um, and also just him shouting, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, through the street. To everybody. I'm a vampire. The, the, the girl that he kills. So here, yeah, and he, like here's the thing. He's probably definitely crazy. He, he probably definitely did not meet some woman who turned him into a vampire after biting his neck and putting hot yogurt on his feet. <laughs> uh, but he believes he's a vampire and kills a girl in a club. Does I, he? I think so. He dies covered in blood. He's got blood all over him he when he dies. He did eat a pigeon, though. Hmm. He didn't look. He didn't look all messed up when he got to the club. But I love that even his outfits are an unreliable narrator. Like we can't. <laughs> we can't judge the story based on the clothing that he's yeah, wearing. Yeah, because maybe that's just a continuity issue. But when he gets kicked out of the club after he's killed the girl, he doesn't really have blood on his face or his shirt. But then later on, he does have blood and shit on his face and yeah, his shirt. Yeah. Yeah. So who fucking knows? I have no idea. But. At the end of the day, he is a vampire. Boom, right? I'm saying he is. I'm saying he killed that girl in the club. I'm I'm 100% saying that happened. So all you need to be a vampire is is to bite a neck? Well, to declare you're a vampire publicly, of course. Mm -hmm. Everyone that's- Walk with your shoulders up. Yep. Uh, (laughs) some, some, Some sharp teeth. Fake or otherwise, and murder. You got to at least kill one person, drink their blood, get real sick because you're not a vampire. And it's you're not a human good being. for you. <laughs> not good for you at all. Yeah, and uh, and then yeah, then spend the rest of the night walking around screaming, "I'm a vampire," and asking people to kill you. I honestly thought eating the raw bird was gonna get him in the ER. 
I thought we were going to go right to the ER after that scene. We pan through some feathers in his apartment. A lot and of then, feathers in his apartment, yeah. <laughs> and then straight to the emergency room. Yeah, it's gross. Super, super gross. But he gets what he wants in the end, right? He gets murdered like a vampire would. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he does seem to really want death. Yeah, death is easier than a long-term commitment. Because he does have one final shot at his final therapy session Mm -hmm. his mental break therapist who's not real introduces him to one of her patients Sharon who's also not real who happens to like everything he likes Mm -hmm. they're meant for each other and they go off to live happily ever after but by the time he walks back to his brownstone they're already freaking out they're already like breaking up and this is just him speaking to himself yeah he can't not get into fights with himself do you think that mime couple that was hanging out in front of his apartment at the beginning of the movie is supposed to be some foreshadowing-y metaphor for the whole thing. I honestly was going to ask you, I was like, I hope he knows what these fucking mimes mean because it's driving me crazy. I don't know. Like, I think Honestly, I think it's just like, oh, buskers in New York City, weird artistic people. I, but there's, I, a, there's a busker in the subway scene, too. Yeah, he's it's, asking for change. Uh, so the, this is this is uh, this is one of those movies where I think it has the intention of being like a Stanley Kubrick movie, where like oh, everything is meticulously planned out. But I don't think that it has the. Uh, I don't think it can back that up with with anything that it necessarily has. Okay. So I mean, hey, the mimes might mean something, but I, I don't think it sticks. You didn't have to rush to finish up. This is not a long fun fact. Okay, you had like a sudden realization. Because it's I had really to get good. It. Okay, let's hear <laughs> so it. So you're saying that it's like a Stanley Kubrick thing. Uh, Nicolas Cage said that the even the hand gestures oh my God. were very choreographed. Okay, <laughs> okay, all right. So the accent is purely intentional, and everybody above the line was on board with it. Uh, above no one the was. Line. The actors did not like it. I bet. <laughs> yeah, they're like, how the fuck do I respond to this? You imagine being. Being in dailies, looking at the looking at the takes you're getting for these scenes and being like, perfect. We've we've nailed it. <laughs> no one in that theater was like, what have we done? Are you kidding me? <laughs> no one, no one responsible for the financial success of this movie was like, I don't know, maybe we should go back in there and just one one straight take. Just just, you know, for the edit. You know, just maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And the craziest thing too is when he goes on his crazy like mad work monologues, it fades so fast. Like he starts with his O's and his L's and his T's. And then by the end of it he's shouting in his normal voice. Yeah, it does it does slip in and out, doesn't it? Yeah. Those were the best takes. They were the best. Honestly, I think this movie's just a joy. I have so much fun watching it. A you joy. Can, it is a darn pleasure. It is fun. I'll give you that. To to get to the last 30 minutes, John, all of the the secretary stuff is worth it. Yeah. The the end of this movie's brilliant. I, I think we're not selling, especially me. I think I was the one talking about it. Because you're just a downer dip. Oh no, I'm yeah, I, I mean everything that I've said. And I mean I'm selling like I'm not doing a good job of selling like the the final psychiatrist meeting. Like that that moment where you realize his reality is completely broken. And cutting between the two is so good. Yeah, and it's it's not like once we realize that we're in his head, we stay there or we go back for like little beats. Like we cut to him as a crazy person on the street for like reaction shots to what the psychiatrist is saying to him. It's the the whole thing is brilliant. There is some absolute genius in this movie. You got to wait for it. It's weird that you got to get to the end to really see it. But I think I, I oh the insanity of Nicolas Cage will definitely keep you hooked until you get there. Sounds like you liked it. I do like it. I just don't <gasps> love it. All right, you better fucking rate it good. <laughs> <laughs> Go. <laughs>
2.5 out of 4? Incorrect. <laughs> That's incorrect. Go again. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 4. We're not that far off. We're not so different, you and I. <laughs> Children of the night. Man. What goes... movies they make. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's just our opinion, you know. Let us know, you know. <laughs> let us let us know what you thought of Nicolas Cage. Rage Cage in The Vampire's Kiss. Sound off on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. In the Nightmare on Film Street Discord at NOFSpodcast.com slash Discord. Really, anywhere you can get a hold of us, we will chat to you about this movie. If you want more in Nightmare on Film Street, consider supporting us at the Nightmare on Film Street Fiend Club at nofspodcast.com slash Fiend Club. We release bonus episodes. We have live streams, watch parties, all kinds of fun stuff for our supporters. That is nofspodcast.com slash Fiend Club. Yeah, I mean, it's on Patreon. You know where to find it, but it's cooler to call it a fiend club yeah we're in the middle of releasing our never sleep again series we watched all nine movies in the nightmare on elm street franchise uh we recorded a podcast for every single one of them and we had zero sleep in between each movie one sitting for the entire thing yeah you've probably heard us talk about it a lot so i'm just gonna leave it at that but it's a badge of honor yeah (laughs) i'm gonna brag about it the rest of my life i'm an adult and i stayed up for more than 24 hours I didn't die. (laughs) Give me a medal. (laughs) A cup of coffee. That's it for this week. We'll be back at you again soon. Until next time, I'm Kim. I'm John. Stay Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive. But we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, stay creepy, fiends. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.